Welcome to the Chicago Association of Realtors Young Professionals Podcast, where leaders from our Young Professionals Network talk real estate and break down business building with local experts. All right. Welcome, YPNers. Uh, My name is Quentin Green, and I'm the chair of the Young Professional Network. And with me, I have Casey, who is the vice chair. How are we doing, Casey? Hey, good. How are you, Quentin? Good, good. Excited to get started here. It is the... April 30th. Uh, we don't know when this is going to air yet, but this is going to be the inspector portion uh, of our first podcast series. And with us today, we have Charlie Belafonte. Uh, Charlie is the president uh, and principal of Chicagoland Home Inspectors. Uh, he's been in the business since 1993 and was actually the 31st home inspector to be licensed in the entire state of Illinois. Uh, Charlie is also the president of the Illinois Association of Home Inspectors, where he is highly, highly involved in the representation of home inspectors across the state of Illinois. Charlie, how are we doing, man? Thanks for mm-hmm. thanks again for coming on. I'm doing good, and it's an honor, and thank you for inviting me. Wow, of I course. thought you could call him the Charlie. <laughs> like, yeah. What a bio. That's awesome. <laughs> I yeah. love his profession. I got an extreme passion for it. <laughs> that's that's what we look for, man. That's 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 why we uh, we chose to interview you. So why don't we go ahead and just dive right in? Why don't you tell us a little about yourself? Tell us how you got into the business, how long, and, and give us kind of a rundown of everything. I um I started back in 1993 and I was a young guy in my 20s back then and I was doing a lot of concrete work and framing work and I I said this is hard work I don't know if I really want to do all this stuff I did have a love for construction um, and then I I got married I bought my first house and I was a know-it-all all right so I didn't hire a home inspector because I knew everything and then after we moved in it turned out I had a roof leak and our bathtub leaked and as any young individual, or at least I hope we're all the same, I spent every single penny I could for the down payment and as much as I could for the uh, the repairs that needed to be done, or I should say I didn't have any money for the repairs. So I had enough borrowing money and I felt like a fool. Um, and my wife then labeled me as a know-it-all and I took it and that's all there is to it. So I got into the business and I enjoyed figuring stuff out. And um, I'm proud to have a seven other guys that are to follow the same passion and do what we do now. So, yeah, that's definitely a very uh, motivating way to get into the business. Uh, for sure. Do you, where, where was the first property that, uh, that you bought? In Elmhurst. Illinois. In Elmhurst. Gotcha. South side of Elmhurst. And yeah, yeah I missed that house. It was an old Georgian. Oh, oh nice. Oh. Yeah. Love a good Georgian. Um, so yeah, that's great stuff. So why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about the inspection process? When, when does it take place? So when someone, you know, goes under contract, what does that timeline look like? Um, and what is kind of like the general home inspection process look like for those who maybe have never been through the process before? Okay. Most of the time on our end, it happens after the first initial agreement is signed between the buyer and the seller. At that point in time, they'll have five business days to go ahead and uh, contract with the home inspector to get out there. So we need to get there, do our stuff that we do, write up our report, get it back to our clients so they can get it to the brokers and to the attorneys and they can start their negotiation process from there. I'm pretty sure, and correct me if I'm wrong, but there's usually an additional five days after the start of the negotiations for people to get in, get into the finish. And you want me to continue on with as far as the process goes? 
Uh, yeah, why not? You know, kind of okay. give us a general overview and then we'll, we'll dive into some other stuff as well. Like, I guess like, kind of like, so like, what is the inspector typically responsible for inspecting, um, in that sense, how long does it normally take? Uh, yeah. So give us a quick rundown on that. You got it. So there's a minimum that we have to do. And the state of Illinois and the Illinois Department of Financial and Professional Regulations has put together what we call our standards of practice. And in there, they say what we have to look at, or they use the word inspect. They say what we have to describe. And then also they talk about what we have to put in our reports, right? Mm -hmm. So the bare bones minimum, and they also say you can go above those minimums. Um, but the bare bones minimums means no tools, no equipment. You don't even have to use a flashlight or anything else to do an inspection. Um, so there's people out there, home inspectors, and this is not a disrespect. They're following the law correctly. And they could probably do uh, an inspection in about an hour, hour and a half. And that's going to include the roof, the foundation, um, the exterior of the building. And then usually we'll go inside and we'll look at the the foundation mostly looking for water leaks that are coming in we do mm -hmm. have to open up the electrical panel that is written in our sop and it's okay. the inside components of it and then the furnace water heater most of the time is going to be spent in the basement then usually we'll go through the house with um looking at windows doors outlets cabinets um we don't have to look at appliances if we don't want to and then we finish up in the attic for insulation and ventilation and then you have people at the other extreme um, they will climb up on the roof if they can. They will use drones. They're going to use thermal imagers, moisture meters. Mm. We have home inspectors um, out there using combustion analyzers to make oh, sure yeah. that the furnace is properly tuned. So at that point in time, and then, you know, like in our company, we're going to be a minimum three hours. And we've been known to be on site for five hours. And we probably had a few of your members want to shoot us. You know, I'm not saying that they're mean in any which way. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but three hours yep. is a long time. Three hours is a long time. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, because, you know, Dave is, is my go-to guy with you guys. And, and whenever we're doing two to four units or single families, it's, yeah, it's it's long. It's minimum, like, three hours, especially because, you know, you're inspecting four different furnaces, four different, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, but you guys, yeah, you guys do it all, which is great. I mean, you'll go in and thermal, you know, measure everything in the walls and then you'll get the drone up there so it's great for us as realtors when we're using you guys because the, the reports you guys send are also so detailed and if we ever have an issue on the sell side where they're you know coming at us i just send them the report i'm like hey here it is like we're gonna be pretty easy on you guys but this is it so it is it is or it isn't you know you guys pick yeah. So when people get those, the drones and the thermal and all that, is that like an additional service that they have to pay or does that, is that included? In, and every business is different. Yeah. So in our business, and that's all I can really speak to, we include all that. There are some things we charge extra for like sewer scopes, level two chimney mm -hmm. scans, mold testing, radon testing. Those are additional but everything that I talked about earlier is included in our normal process. That's yeah, good. definitely. Nice. Yeah, it's awesome. Inspection then, <laughs> right? You know, our clients. Um, so, Charlie, I know I'm asking this to a home inspector, <laughs> but do you think should everyone get a home inspection? I mean, especially with this market right now, we people have been waiving all type of contingencies, and is there ever a time when you think an inspection is not necessary? 
you know, I, I don't know. It's, it's, I don't want to say yes or no in any which way. Yeah. Um, I will come up with this, this mark is, you know, we all live in the United States of America and, and I'm going to go a little patriotic here. One of the greatest things about this country is the freedom of choice. Very and true. everybody has their own freedom of choice and we all have risk and we base a lot of information to make that decision as intelligently as we can. And it hurts me when I get clients and we've had a bunch of them recently where, you know, they pay us, they pay us for the extras and everything else. And they've lost a dozen homes, you know, because they were outbid or not, you know, they wanted to have an inspection or something else. And then they find one that they can actually buy. We go in there and we do our inspection. It's in bad shape and they walk away from it. Yeah. And, and they got to go through that same pain and suffering again. And right now, today it's uh it's a tough market out there it really is it is what i would say to chime in there i would say you know this is my personal opinion i think you always do the inspection but if you're going to waive your inspection contingency that's a different thing you know there's nothing in a contract that says you can't still do an inspection if you waive your contingency so in my opinion they're pretty reasonable and the amount that most inspectors inspect to me it's a fair price to understand uh, to have a better understanding of the decision that you're going to make, because it's a big decision, right? You're, you're pulling out a mortgage. Um, it's one of the biggest purchases you're going to make in your life. So right. I, I think you definitely do the inspection. And then, you know, if, if you're willing to, to waive the contingencies and you're okay with the items on the inspection that, that you found out, then, then great. But I, I think it's important. It's probably important to know, but yeah, it is a tough market right there. And some, unfortunately you just have to waive contingencies sometimes. Yeah, but it, it is disheartening to the fact with Charlie saying that yeah. you know, like, you've been outbid so many times you finally think you found the one and then it's like, man, it's so many things wrong with it. It's it's disheartening for us too, as you know, on this side working with them. So um, it's I appreciate that you feel the same way, Charlie, because we used to feel like that for our clients too. Um, as far as when it comes to the buyers, how do you set the expectations for them? Because I mean, I think Quentin can attest to this. When we have especially first-time home buyers, these long inspection reports, <laughs> like they kind of scare them sometimes. It's like yeah. 50, 60 pages. It's like, whoa. So, you know, do you kind of like set an expectation for them prior to we we do to a point. You know, we, yeah. we there's a role that I think the real estate agents are are missing here. And I, I really hate speaking in generalities like that. So forgive me. Um, because I know individuals are different, mm-hmm. but I hear so many times about, you know, somebody trying to close a sale and they're, they're always upselling and upselling and upselling a house. And they're always talking about how beautiful it is and how great it is, or this is owned by an electrician or a contractor. And, you know, the inspector not going to find anything wrong with it. And then we come in there and bam, it's like a punch in the stomach, you know, when that happens. And that hurts things. That that hurts the sale. It hurts the process. Um, so as far as we go, we make it up front. You know, our goal is to make a big, long list. I go back to that freedom of choice. For us, everything boils down to how much and who pays. So the how much part, we can help you. We can give you general ideas how much it's going to cost. The who pays, we kind of refer them back to the real estate agent right? because you guys know the market. You know how fast houses are going. You know the competition. We don't. All right. And then you can help them make a decision on what they're going to negotiate for. Sometimes they can't negotiate for anything. And sometimes they can negotiate for quite a bit. But if I can give any suggestion that I would hope you would agree with me and push this on to 
other real estate agents, um, let them know they're going to find stuff wrong. There's not mm -hmm. one house. I did 14,000 inspections in my lifetime. Not one home came back with nothing wrong with it. All right. Oh, yeah. No home is perfect. All right. In fact, if you really like working with a home inspector and you have a good relationship with them, ask them to come and inspect your house. All right. Give you a sample report on the home you're living in now. And then as you show your clients, hey, listen, I want you to, this is what to expect right here you know this is my house and i think i got a pretty nice home but i want you to see he found all these things wrong with this so i want to prepare you for this that way you don't get the sticker shock and right and i'm sure that if you have a good relationship with your inspector they would do that for free so. that's great advice charlie i mean we all have to work together so it's good to have these you know candid conversations Right. Yeah. And it's, I mean, you're, you guys are even a one bed condo in a condo building, right? You already have, you know, could have hundreds of units. You're inspecting like 50 items, you know, sometimes more, you know, it depends. And so to go in there and think that this place is going to be spotless, pristine, it, it's not, there's going to be issues and it's a matter of, and that's why it's so important for both the realtor to be there and also the client to be there, to be able to engage with the home inspector because it's always worse when you get the report and the client isn't there to be able to have that open dialogue with an inspector because they'll just see the report and they'll see all these items and be like, whoa, this is a really big deal. But in reality, if you were there uh, and you were speaking with the inspector, he might have been able to water things down and be able to talk you through it um, and give you a more clear understanding than just a report. And so, you know, you have three categories for the most part, general wear and tear, you know, maybe things that are uh, not up to code, but also probably not the biggest deal in the world. And then you have the bigger ticket items. And so the inspector, you know, it's, it's good for the inspector and the realtor. They need to be able to put those into those categories and really let them understand. And another point you mentioned is you, you guys just give them the report and it's all about what, you know, what can you get, you know? So if, if you're okay with going into it, um, knowing there's some issues, you'll find out what you can get pretty quickly from the sellers. And then you make the decision based on that. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's good stuff. I guess going Further, what kind of expectations would you set for sellers? I guess, do you ever do inspections for sellers um, before they go to market, or how does that kind of work? That's starting to come up. We we started marketing that a little bit, and I think it's getting pushback. Um, one of uh, I have a real estate agent in Evanston who's a, a very nice lady. I like her a lot. And I asked her about these pre-listing inspections and what she thought, and she goes, well, you know, you got divorced, you got remarried. Do you remember dating? Do you ever tell anybody all your flaws on the very first date? And I'm like, no, I don't. And she goes, well, why would we want to tell everybody all the flaws of the house on the very first date is what she came with. So, you know, I could see that point of view. I really do. So when we said, when we do have a seller and um, our process is we do our normal inspection, we make that big, long list, all right? And then they could choose what they want to fix on that list. And then the minor things that are not required to be in the disclosure forms, if they want those removed, then it's fine. They could remove them. You know, not everything, every little detail has to be written in that disclosure. But then we make the report public. And the good thing about that for sellers is, A, they had the time to fix the problems on their own. They're not in a rush to get things done, so they don't have to pay the high prices of do it now and get it done. They can pick and choose the contractor over you know, a longer period of time. Um, B, um, they don't have to go through that second round of negotiations. And I think that that's something that either we all as human beings in this area try to ignore 
but we really know it exists. You know, we negotiate it first for the price and then the inspection comes back and guess what? Everybody's negotiating again. All right. But more so this thing, I, I really wish it would go more towards the real estate agents um, and preparing for the sellers is same thing as we just said for the buyers. They're going to find something wrong with your home. No matter how pretty it is, no matter how pristine it is, do not be insulted by this. All right. It, it's not. It's just a process. It's just a list. And we have no authority to make anyone fix or repair anything. Right. Yeah. One thing, that's one thing I wish that more sellers would do is at the very least kind of get in, uh, get an HVAC professional in, right? Maybe have an electrician company. Just, just look at it, right? And, and I know it's a, it's a seller's market, so you can get away with more on the sell side now. And people are just, you know, they're, they're scooping things up. But yeah, there's nothing worse than going into a home and you see like a filter that's been there for three, four years. Oh my right? And then no one serviced the <laughs> furnace. And it's like, guys, like, you know, there's going to be an inspection. Have someone service it. Just make it look as good as possible. We're not saying replace the furnace. Just get it serviced. That's all. You know, because then in the inspection, you have this furnace that's not working properly. Is it because right. it hasn't been serviced or is it because it's the end of its life expectancy? And you don't know unless you have someone service it. Just get it done ahead of time. And I think that leads to buyers wondering, like, well, what else is wrong with this? If this is something so yeah. small that you couldn't do, what else is wrong? You know, right. I've seen those jaws drop so many times and it's so I'm, I'm crestfallen because somebody's excited about the house. I pull the filter out and, and then you get the buyer's remorse and it's like, what am I getting into? And, and all we had to do was change the filter and wipe it down. Exactly. Simple. So simple. So when it comes to us real estate professionals, you know, doing our due diligence to help out, you know, the home inspection, the home inspector and just make everything a little smoother. What are some things that you think we as real estate professionals should be focusing on during the showing um, and to, to get ahead of the inspection issues? You yeah. You mean, and, and let me make sure I understand this. So you're talking about as a buyer's agent and you're there showing your client there what are some things that you want to keep your eye out for is that yeah. right i mean and we're not acting as home inspectors right, I understand. right. <laughs> yeah just you know general things that uh would make us not look dumb right so yeah. things that we should be you know that, that that would i guess be expected of us or, or something where we can go a little bit above and beyond without mm -hmm. having all the tools and gadgets you, you guys yeah. have and without so, us acting as home inspectors no i got mm -hmm. Number one issue is always going to be water, okay? So when you walk up to the property, look at the driveway, look at the ground, look at the sidewalks, look and see if anything is sloping towards the house, all right? And if that happens, we're going to be putting water pressure onto the basement, and that's going to increase the chances that there's going to be water seepage into the basement. When you're on the top floors, um, look up at the ceilings and in the corners, and that's going to give us signs if we're going to have water coming in there. Even under bathrooms, and especially in condo buildings, when you're going to be in, those are all tiered floor plans. Mm -hmm. So go into the kitchens, go into the bathrooms, and look and see if there's been multiple damage or multiple repairs done in those areas. Those are big clues. The rest of the stuff, you know, there's a few different, like, electrical panels that are just instant defects if we run into something like a federal pacific panel we're, we won't even let any of our inspectors open them up you know they're they've been caused for fires and it might have been fine for the last 50 years but if we go in there and we start taking a panel off or doing anything else we could take something that's perfectly fine and now we got a big problem with it 
So most home inspectors are on the same boat. We're just going to red flag them right away, and we're not going to touch them anything else. And you're looking at a $1,500 repair for something like that. So, But water is yeah. always going to be your number one issue. Absolutely. Water. I, okay. No, I mean, I've been, <laughs> I've been in some places where you could just tell something's wrong with the electrical. You turn one light on and another room, you turn hit one switch in this room and another room light turns on. I'm like, okay, yeah. something's clearly going on here. <laughs> or I've seen like the old knob and tube uh, electrical panels and things like that. So. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's a tough question for Charlie to answer. Like, what should we be? It's, and that's why I get so excited. Like, I don't get that excited. Don't get me wrong. But like, I love going to inspections. My first got out of business, I would go to as many uh, inspections as possible because there's so much that you can learn. And the only way to do that is to be side by side with an inspector. And every time you're going to pick up something new that you'll be able to remember and look out for at the next showing. And, uh, you know, it could save your clients a lot of money, you know, if, if you're really focused on the right things, um, especially, especially when you're looking at single family homes and two to four units, right? Like knowing, like looking at the plumbing, cause there's so many visual things you can, you can look that would save your clients, you know, a ton of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so it's, it's just, it's so important to get out to those inspections and really be involved in the process. Can I add a little bit to that? Yeah, sure. Yeah. The, I'd like to give a shameless plug to my website, and it's thehomeinspectors.com. Okay. And if your real estate agents are willing to go there um, and they click on training and education, we put, you know, basically it was the original home inspection training program. It's all on videos. It's all there. Oh, if wow. somebody wants to learn about it, and it's free, if somebody wants to learn about electricity, air conditionings, how they work, um, there's roughly about 20, 30 hours worth of training videos wow. on there. That's awesome. And there's also our old final exam is on there. So if you want to test your skills and see what you know and what home inspectors should know, that's there. It's free. And we're we're going to be adding more as we go to it. So what? that's awesome. Great resource, thehomeinspectors.com. Correct. Yeah, we'll make sure you say that at the end of the show too. That is awesome, Charlie. I don't, I don't know anyone who does that because you know it. It helps for us to learn those things. It does, and right the more up. we know, the better we are, and that should be every human's goal: is to learn yes. as much as you can. So, yeah, that's fantastic. I'm gonna definitely tear through that uh, in the next week or so. Yeah, definitely will too, Charlie. Really quick, do you um do you recommend people or but do you get a lot of buyers who after the negotiation has happened with the inspection, they come back and have you reinspect? Do you see that a lot? I, I, I get insulted if uh, that happens to me. All right. My goal is to educate the person buying that house as much as I can. Not only should I be able to tell them what the problem is, how bad of a problem it is, but I should be also able to explain to them what it's supposed to look like when it's done right. All right. Mm-hmm. I want them to be able to figure that out of their own. Now, I will go back. It is very rare that it happens. And I always feel that I did a bad job when it does happen. But we will go back and we will, you know, reinspect things. The, the bad thing is, even though I feel I did a poor job, I still charge my clients to go back out there and do it again. I just don't have the time to do it for free. Oh, but I would say about 10 times a year. Yeah. 
man of integrity. Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> a lot, yeah, a lot of the times, like there are a lot of inspection items. And so once you address the inspection items, you're either taking credits, right? Or you're probably telling the seller to fix it. Fix. The problem is a lot of times you don't really know if it got fixed properly. You're not, you're not sure who they use. Was it done professionally? Mm-hmm. And so those are important things. And so a lot of the times, you know, sometimes you might have to have a certified expert come out to evaluate it after. Um, yeah, it could be, it could be tricky. And that's why sometimes it depends on what you want. Sometimes people prefer to take the credit so they can just do it themselves as long as you're getting the proper estimates, you know? Um, cool. So, all right, Charlie, let's get a little bit deeper into the inspection process, right? So we are evaluating the exterior, uh, of a home. So we're talking mainly single families and walk-ups two to four units, maybe, you know, smaller multifamily, uh, the big condo developments, those really aren't ever inspected on the exterior ever. Um, just FYI. So what are some things that, that you're going to be focusing on that you'll be inspecting uh, for the exterior of a home? What should buyers be looking out for? And, and to walk us through sort of like how this might change with different building materials that you'd see in Chicago. Fantastic. Um, settlement structural movement is another big issue. So what we're going to look for is not just cracks in the in the structure, but if we see signs where cracks have been repaired multiple times, well, now we're just filling a hole that's keep getting bigger and bigger. We never right. really addressed the problem that this structure is still moving and everything can be fixed, mind you. You go into the Lincoln Park area and that's got a lot of poor soils in there yeah so they do a lot of you know piles driving in there and they jack everything up there but once that's done that's a permanent fix and they usually don't have any more problems with that when it comes in there so looking for any sort of cracks past repairs i mentioned earlier about lots and sideway or sidewalks and driveways sloping towards the house those are big things to look for um from a distance you can see windows um, you know, some windows are actually very expensive um, when we get into some of these homes and yeah. other people, they, they'll go with the, the cheaper or less expensive brands that are more vinyl and stuff like that. Um, and they usually don't have as many problems. But, yeah, you get to the higher end windows and water gets in there and they ignore that for a while. We get a lot of big damages with it. Gutter discharges are huge. Um, in Chicago, we go into the raw sewage. In the suburbs, we don't, all right? And even with uh, Chicago, you'll find many times they'll get it away from the house, and, and we just don't want to come back to it. Um, yeah, you put, put it towards the neighbor's house, right? There you go. Yeah, it's not my problem anymore. <laughs> oh, yeah. my God. That never comes up at the block parties, does it? No. <laughs> um, garages, we're, we're very picky when it comes to overhead garage doors you know we're those are the biggest heaviest moving objects in a house um, I, I was a fireman for 30 years and i retired from the village of northbrook and i could think off the top of my head i got about six memories of people getting trapped on the garage doors or with their fingers caught inside of them and stuff so we're real picky when it comes to those things but that's it on the exterior Wow. Yeah, Charlie, why don't you... Um, years and home inspection. <laughs> what happened yeah. to Charlie? <laughs> it's a wonderful life. I love it. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, Charlie, one question I have you. So split place block, it's, it's obviously very popular in Chicago. You no longer can you use it anymore, but you can't avoid it on the West side. So every time, like I go into a place, it's something I point out, but it, it's all about how you maintain it. In my opinion, do you think us as realtors, are we, are, is it something we focus too much on? How big of a deal is it? And what are the remedies for something like this? Because a lot of people don't really know what it is, but it's super easy to spot. Um, and it, it's all over the West side of Chicago. It is. And, you know, we also call it single width block, you know, with the split phase block. There's two schools of thought on that. Well, first of all, let me ask, answer your last question first. Do I think it's serious? Yeah, I do. All right. I've seen too many times where water is just condensating inside the, the split phase block wall or it, it seeps through the split face and gets into the channels. And then that poor family that's living on the lowest floor, they get hit with everything. And there's so much mold and wood rot and everything else that's growing behind there. Um, it, it's like the, the amount of money that it costs to repair that is, is very high. It's a lot. You know? So, yes, I think it's very serious. All right. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that it's a problem. All right. It, everything could be fixed. It was a problem because they didn't know at the time how to build with that stuff and they weren't able to insulate it properly. So because of which we ended up getting condensation forming inside there. All right. So there's two schools of thought. One is you put the, the sealant on and you do that like every five years. All right. And most homeowners associations do that route and they have pretty good luck with it. Um, and it works, all right, but it's an ongoing process. Um, number two is you actually ventilate those those stacks. I don't know if you ever heard of this or not, but they'll put holes at the bottom, they'll raise the coping at the top, and they'll allow air to flow, or actually it comes from underneath because the hot air is going to rise. They'll allow, allow air to flow in those channels, and when that happens, it keeps it dry, all the time and you never have to go ahead and put that sealant back on it again all right hmm. uh, there's a company called wick right w-i-c-k-r-i-g-h-t.com again i have no uh, affiliation with them whatsoever um, they do have a lot of subcontractors that go ahead and do this sort of repair it is pricey all right usually it's somewhere close to the 60 to 100 thousand dollar range but it's permanent, and and that's right. the part that I like about it. So, good to know. How do you spot that, guys? How do you? Well, it's really rough on the outside edges. Yeah, it's not smooth and straight. Um, that would probably be about the easiest way that I could explain it. Okay. Um, yeah. I wish I could pull up my pictures. I know I got about a thousand of them in here, <laughs> and I could right. just flash it up here for you so you could see it, but. That would be the best, um, but yeah, you can okay, Google split face block. Yeah. yeah, you Google it real quick. And the main thing to look for, because like Charlie said, if it's maintained, it, it's fine. But yeah. once you start slipping, you got big problems on your hands. And, and so if, if you, excuse me, if you see discoloration, so if you <laughs> see certain areas that are darker than others, that's water damage. And, and that water's in there. And once you get it in there, it's pretty tough to come out and, right. and that block will degenerate. Um, so that's the main thing to be looking for. If you look for that, you look for the discoloration and stuff. Place it's always important to ask how often is it sealed? When was it last sealed? Because that's expensive too. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it'll be on the sides of a lot of buildings on the west side, and then to the back garages. A lot of garages you'll see with split face. Not as big of a deal, right? Smaller structure. Um, but yeah, just something to keep an, an eye out for for sure. Great question, Quentin. Thank you. I'm 
learning myself as we go. <laughs> there you go. So, um, Charlie, you said that you, we, we talked about this, about the thermal cameras that you offer. What are you looking for when you inspect in between the walls? And, you know, I know I've ha- had that before for a home inspection. They did the ceiling. And are you, are you looking for certain electrical plumbing things? I know you're looking for water, but what are you exactly looking for when you're in between walls without being able to open up walls? No, I understand. We, the thermal imaging camera is you know, basically what I just said. It's a thermal image of the property, and it's very sensitive. One of the tricks I like to do is I'll take my camera. I wish I would have brought it in here with me. I could actually show you right here, but I'll bring my camera, and I'll give it to my client, and then I'll put my hand on the wall behind me for a matter of one second, and I'll take it away. And you could see that handprint there, the heat that my hand left on that wall. You could see that for like five minutes. That's how sensitive these things are. Mm -hmm. So we're looking for cold spots, all right? That's the main thing. And the cold spots is either going to be water, because water is going to be absorbing heat, leaving cold when it's evaporating, or missing insulation. Anytime we find a cold spot, we're going to take a moisture meter, and we're going to confirm or deny that it's water. That's our number one enemy. Rarely will we find you know, an overheated electrical panel. So we do shoot it at those. Mm-hmm. We will use them to scan real quickly, steam systems, hydronic heat systems. So we know, and also forced air systems. So we know we're getting heat from the different registers without having to put a thermometer on everything because it's all instantaneous for us. But mostly it's going to be water and missing insulation. That's pretty handy. Not everyone uses those. So I'm glad. No. That, yeah, I mean, I that's great for our clients, our buyers. It makes life yeah. quick for us too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no question. Um, yeah, good stuff. So I guess, Charlie, uh, where are we? I'm sorry. I'm looking at the script here. We're in the basement. For we are what? in the basement. Yeah. yeah. So what are some things that uh, you should be inspecting in the basement what are the main items um and and what do you do i guess if you can't access it sometimes you have those uh god i forget what you call it but it's sort of too too small to to get down there in the basement like what do you do if you can't access that stuff and what are some things that you're going to be looking for and if we're in a crawl space crawl space yeah yeah the minimum opening that we have to have is 18 by 24 inches and we have to have at least 18 inches of crawlable space and then beams can go as low as 12 inches, all right? So we do have some rules that we have to buy. If we don't meet those rules and we can't get in there, well, A, that's a problem already. Um, B, we're gonna end up disclaiming it, all right? And anytime we have finishes in basements or attics, it makes it hard, you know? We can't see yeah. through walls, no matter what anybody says they can do, they just can't see through walls, that's about bottom line. Um, so when we're in the basement, um, we, you know, there's, I'm going to change subjects here. There was an old movie, The Red for, the Hunt for Red October. I really liked it a lot. Oh, and, yeah, I know. I know the movie. <laughs> and Jack Ryan was, he, he was on the sub, and one of the other officers said to him, he goes, yeah, the Russian subs are pinging away, but they're going so fast, they're not listening. You know, they could drive right by my, and my daughter's stereo playing, and they wouldn't hear it. All right? And the same thing goes into the inspection business, too. If we do our inspection so fast, you're gonna walk right by issues. And the, the problem is that the person buying that house, they have to live with those issues and they're paying us to tell them about those issues. So what we do is we take our flashlights and we're gonna go through the entire exterior wall 
We're going to try and document all the cracks. We're going to look for cracks that are allowing water to come inside. We're going to look for cracks that have been repaired, especially if the crack came back again. Then we're going to talk about structural movement. We're going to look at each and every floor joist on there. It sounds tedious and boring, and it is, all right? But when you go that slow, that's when you find stuff wrong with it. Otherwise, you'll just zip right by it, just like they were talking about pinging and going real fast on that. All our mechanicals are in the basement, too. So we're going to spend the most amount of time on the electrical panel, the furnace, the water heater, all the plumbing pipes. All that stuff is going to be down there, and that's where we're going to spend most of our time. Right. It makes me so nervous when I walk into some of these old buildings and I see issues with the exterior and then I get to the basement and we're in a finished basement and you can't access the walls. It almost right away. My mind goes, all right, there's, they're hiding something. And it'll be enough for me. You know, if I'm looking at properties for myself, it'll be enough for me to walk away if I can't see what's, what's down there. And I don't know who did the job. Right. And I don't know Mm -hmm. if they were professionals. It, It just makes me so nervous seeing those finished basements in some of those neighborhoods. I was just in one yesterday and they even, they covered the drain. Like you could tell that the drain was there. They put like flooring yeah. on it. I'm like, oh, this isn't oh. right. <laughs> no. I'm like, Run away from that. Yeah. They literally covered it with yeah. the flooring. Right. Because when there's so few things that you can actually see, it, it, the things that you do see, there, there's more problems. There's a lot more problems. So you got to, you got to go, go listen to your gut there and you got to keep an eye out for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm never um, afraid of what I can see. I'm always afraid of what I can't. Right. Right. <laughs> so go down there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess another question I'd have regarding that is, um, I guess like the, so in Chicago, a lot of the old buildings, you have lead plumbing, lead pipes, um, you know, not obviously the, the plumbing, like under the streets and stuff, all that's lead as far it's as I lead. know. Yeah. Yeah. It's all lead. <laughs> it so I guess what are, what are some things that, um, when you're looking at some of these old properties, like what should we be keeping an eye out or what do you guys look for in like the general plumbing and how things uh, both look and how they should be functioning? So let's address those, those uh, lead pipe issues that you mentioned. All right. Um, Lead is a serious issue without a doubt. It it can cross over the placenta. It stops the brain growth of child development and that it's a serious issue. All right. But one of the good things that the city of Chicago did, and I don't know the chemical, I'm ignorant on that part, but they put a chemical in the water that creates a patina or a film that's on the inside of the lead so that that lead, the water, I should say, the lead does not leach into the water as it comes in there, So, which is why we've had a whole bunch of low water bills coming in there. Now, we have a lot of properties also that don't have water meters, and Mayor Lightfoot was working very hard on uh, putting meters in a lot of those houses, and that turned out to be a mistake because <laughs> once we cut that pipe, we broke that lead, and now oh, the yeah. water that's there, and the lead started leaching into the drinking water that, that came in there and created high levels. So they, they put a stop to it, and they do want to go ahead and redo all the water lines, but I know that's going to be a, a federal government or a federal grant for to get something like that done because it's ridiculously expensive. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, but other than that, you know, there's, there's other options. You know, we ended up, when we remodeled our home here, uh, we did have to put a new water line, you know, just because we added bathroom, and so they made it big and they wanted the lead gone, all right? I would have left it otherwise. 
I didn't have an issue with it personally. All right. <laughs> and that was seventeen thousand dollars. Wow. You know, with the permit fees and, and everything yeah. else. So it was a lot of money when that happened. You had to dig up the street, you know, tie disconnect the old one, reconnect the new one. And uh, then we had to move it because I had to be 10 feet away from the sewer line. Back when all these were put in, they put everything in the same chase. Right? So it's it's expensive to do that route. And that is one of the things. Another option is plainly get filters into the house. You're looking at $100 a year. I think that's very affordable, at least in my eyes it is. And it comes up with another solution. But in that's all reality, $17,000. Oh, hell yes. Heck yeah. <laughs> you know, and, but in all reality, if you really want to know your water, get it tested and send it off to a lab. I think most yeah. people are going to be pleasantly surprised how low the lead levels are here in the city of Chicago and uh, the suburbs around it. So, that's yeah, great. I don't know about you. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know about you all. I'm uh, I have been Team Faucet my whole life. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Me too. My, my kids, my kids will be Team Faucet as well. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Charlie, why don't you tell us about? So, what are galvanized pipes, and and how do we look out for that? Yeah, we hear about those all the time. <laughs> galvanized pipes were installed, you know, right after World War II, and they really were. They kept being installed up until like around the '60s, somewhere in there. The problem is they have a lifespan of about 60 years. And with galvanized pipes, when they corrode, they corrode on the inside. They don't corrode on the outside. So it's kind of like the plumbing system is having a heart attack. All right. So your your blood vessels are closing up and the water can't get through. All right. So I've been burned by this. You know, I want to say when I first started out in the business, um, I would turn on the hot and the cold water and check the water flow, right? I would do it in the bathroom and the sink and everything else. My clients moved in and they couldn't take a hot shower. And what I didn't do was turn the hot water on by itself and then the cold water on by itself. If I would have done that, I would have seen that, yeah, there's hardly any flow of hot water. So I ended up paying for new pipes to be put in uh, to somebody's house and I vowed never to make that mistake again. All right. So we all learn. Yep. We all learn. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think so. it's serious. And um, usually you can get another 20 years out of it if you just replace the corners. That's usually where the corrosion blocks everything off there. But eventually you're going to have to repipe the house. And there's yep. companies in this area that do that, and they're somewhat affordable. So. Yeah, it's, it's a it's a big bill, though. No, no question about it. It is. Um, all right. Sewer scopes. Should you get a sewer scope? Uh you know, do you recommend sewer scopes? Tell us a little bit about that. Uh, freedom of choice again. You know, all I can yeah. do is tell you that um, most of the, we do sewer scopes. We have six of them in our company. And I would say that about 30 to 40% of our clients choose that option, um, especially with clay tiles, which is most of this area, unless it's been a new build. Um, clay tiles, you're going to get roots coming through. You're going to get bellies, which are low areas. Right. Um, you're going to get displacements where the pipes are uneven and water is now running in between there. And when that happens, it's, we don't know, you know, if, if you have to dig them up, it gets really expensive. You're looking at a minimum of 3000 for one single area for a repair. And you can go into the twenties if you have to replace a whole line. They do have other options for small breakages and to keep roots out. 
There's companies that will put a liner inside of that and they'll seal it up. So that's good. Uh, PVC, we found very little problems with PVC. We do have videos of PVCs as well, but we've had them where they clap. So they start off round and then they end up sandwiching like this. Wow. Um, Once that pipe loses its, its circular form, we, you know, I mean, it may stay there forever. I don't know, you know, but there's a good chance that it could just collapse all the way through. So when you do the sewer scope, you are looking for tree roots and any like anything that's blocking pretty much. Yeah, mostly damaged tree roots and all that could be rotted. And, you know, what's nice yeah. about that is we'll just get our clients to be prepared, to be proactive, have somebody come out here once a year and just rot it out all right do it before it backs up because then it's cheaper all right and just every year right at springtime is usually the best time to do it you you just want to clear all those roots out there and get everything going now if you find that there's hardly anything going on there then maybe you could push it back to every two years but once the roots are there that's where the water from the house is those trees want to feed there they're going to keep growing in there makes sense interesting and so that is all the responsibility of the owner so anyone's pipe that goes from the home all the way to the drain that's personal property or i guess how does that work it depends where you're at all right so the okay. city of chicago they take uh responsibility at the sidewalk all right everything from Got the it. sidewalk to the street they're going to be responsible for that everything from the sidewalk to the house itself is pretty much the the homeowner's responsibility you get out to the suburbs and everything but the connection to the main sewer line is or what we call the drop Mm -hmm. um, that comes in there that's all belongs to the homeowner got it yeah quite a bit of variance very much so could be definitely a big ticket item um as far as i mean you've done thousands of inspections what are the most common inspection issues that you see in chicago in Chicago, we've had a lot of movement. And uh, so there's always some settling issues that are going to be reported. Um, I, I could say that the electric is actually pretty good, um, unless the homeowners got in there. We got some good electrical codes in this city. And yeah, water issues. I'm going to go back to that. That's probably going to be our number one problem. Yeah, especially when that snow starts. All, all the snow we got this past winter, oh my gosh, when all that snow started melting, I've heard so many horror stories. Um, yeah. Is, um, yeah. is for the homeowners, for their big ticket items, um, what's the life expectancy on them, would you say? Like um, the roof, the furnace, like the mechanicals, you know, things that are going to co- really cost them. So we can educate them on that as well. We find that 20 years is a magic number for us, all right? Now, that's not on every single house, mind you. But for example, roofs, we always tell people it's going to be about 20 years. But they do make shingles that last 50 years. And so we we do have some gauges that we could check and we could get a rough idea for it, how long it's going to be. But we just try to put everything down into percentages. So we'll say it's either brand new, 25%, halfway, three-quarter at the end, or beyond. All right. Um, Furnaces, same thing, about 20 years. Water heaters, you're going to hear a lot of people say um, five, but we, we usually say 15. And when it comes to that, air conditioners in our climate is about 20 
You go down to Arizona at seven, you know, it all depends on the usage that's going to happen there. Um, But yeah, those are the 20 years, I think is just a good plain round number to remember for all the mechanicals in the roof. Thank you. Yeah. Good to know. Yeah. Cause one thing that is tricky and and you mentioned AC units that's tricky in the winter in Chicago is you can't really inspect the AC units because you can't turn them on in the winter. So what do you, what do you recommend in that situation? Do you just, uh, you know, I guess, you know, what do you do? Do you just ask about the, the how old it is and then figure out like a certain percentage of uh, credit that they'd give you, or do you just take it for what it is? Uh, again, we stay out of the negotiations. Sure, of course. Time, right. right. So I, I kind of going to throw that back at you a little bit. That's but what we do, <laughs> what we do inspect in the winter months, you know, when we look at that data plate on the air conditioning unit, we'll be able to determine how old it is. We can look and see what the size of that air conditioning unit is and how many BTUs it's able to absorb and discharge to the outside. We're able to determine the breaker that's supposed to be protecting the air conditioning unit. We can also determine the wire sizes because air conditioning units are different than the rest of the electrical system. They don't have to be matched like everything else. You're allowed to overfuse those. But we want to make sure that we have what the manufacturer says we're supposed to be having and it's wired up correctly and it has the right size breaker. We can look around the coil and see if there's any uh, staining on the coil that's a good indicator that there's a leak. But in all reality, the best thing we could do is turn that thing on and run it and make sure we're getting a 15-degree temperature drop. Now, most air conditioning units, they'll probably be safe when you get down to the 50-degree mark. But for us, we got a 65-degree mark. We're not going to run one when it's colder than that. The reason is because the refrigerant, um, when we compress it, we end up heating it up so we can get hotter to discharge the heat. Mm-hmm. But if that refrigerant is in a liquid form, when it goes through the compressor, it'll damage the compressor. And that's the most expensive part of the air conditioning unit. So we could have a perfectly fine unit, but then we just broke it by turning it on. Right. <laughs> I've seen, I mean, especially with these oversized bungalows, we I've seen it where you have, they have the AC and then it is so hot when you get up into, you know, that attic space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, when should someone, I, mean, I don't know if you can answer this question, Charlie, but when, if you can, when should someone get the two ACs or a larger unit? Because, I mean, sometimes it is just burning up when you get up there. Right. So we, when we remodeled our house, and it's a smaller home, about 2,000 square feet, and it's a two-story open staircase going up there, we decided to put two air conditioners in and two heating units in there, all right? and two thermostats to go with it. Mm-hmm. Um, truthfully, I did it because I didn't want to fiddle around with the levers and the ductwork every twice a year, all right? I'm lazy, all right? I'm sorry. At least when it comes to that part, I am, all right? <laughs> so it, it's if you can direct, and that's what I see a lot of people make the mistake of, those bungalows that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. If you can turn your ductworks off on the first floor, and limit the amount of air that goes to the first floor where your thermostat is, and you send everything to the second floor, and then that cool air is going to drop. It's going to keep that iron. You got to, and it's what they call balancing the system. You know, there's other ways around it too. You could put automatic dampers in, 
A lot of these Nest thermostats now have different temperature sensors you can put in different rooms, and we could have automatic things yeah. close them up. So there's other ways around it than just you know spending another four thousand dollars or eight thousand dollars depending on the house on uh, putting a furnace and AC system in. Um, yeah, there's definitely other ways around it. So that's very helpful. Thank you. Thanks for answering. Yeah. That. Yeah. And so for all you sellers who plan on selling in the winter, just just get someone out there so you can give the buyer peace of mind since yeah. you're not gonna be inspecting the AC unit. Um yeah, let's why don't all we talk about um, please install the AC yeah. unit. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh why let's talk new construction, Charlie. Um are there issues with new construction and inspections? Uh, should you get an inspection for new construction? What are your thoughts there? If you're find... Quentin. <laughs> <laughs> it's brand new. This is, <laughs> this is not an insult to any builder. You know, we have a lot of very wonderful builders out there. Um, but every but no builder does all the work themselves. They all have to get subcontractors out there and even the subcontractors get other subcontractors right. and right now just like the real estate market is the contracting market is also very busy and getting people out there to do the work is getting tougher and tougher um there's there's a lot of parts to a house you start counting every piece of wood you start counting every nail screw drywall ductwork electrical wiring pulling in there there's a lot of pieces to it. And law of averages, again, it's not gonna be done right. And even with the new construction that we've done, and we've done a lot of pre-drywall and a lot of post-drywall, so we'll go in there two or three different times, um, it's we still find things wrong, plain and simple. And um, so right. yes, you know, it's best to know when you have the power before you give up all your money, it's best to know what it is that you're getting and that way you can make that intelligent decision and that intelligent choice. Yeah, exactly. And especially too, because things, the guidelines and the city code is constantly changing, right? So you're, you're having changes every single year um, and you might've started building one year and then you finish the project the next year and things might not be uh, done the way that they maybe should be. Um, and another thing right now, what are we saying, right? We're seeing rising costs for just about everything, right? Rising costs in land, rising costs in materials, rising costs in contractors, so I'll bet you Lumber. there's some cutting everything, all material. Yeah, there's some corners being cut right now. I guarantee you, and, and we'll we'll see that. You don't think so? I'm not going to say I don't think so. I just don't want to think so. I don't want to think so either. I mean, I guess at the same time we're seeing prices rise, so hopefully that can adjust. But I know materials are going up at a faster pace than than, than real estate prices. So. Um, and then you combine labor as well, right? Labor costs are going up just because it's tougher to get things done right now. Yeah, so I think maybe it is being... permits. It's so it takes so long yeah. to get permits. Oh yeah, that's true. And to get the zoning right now, it's an absolute nightmare. I don't know if you've had yeah. to deal with that, but you have to you have to order zoning uh, before you even begin a transaction. And the problem is a lot of a lot of uh, attorneys don't order the zoning until uh, they order title. And right now it's too backed up. You got to get it earlier because you don't want to be, you don't want to have a buyer walk away because they don't get the zoning on time. Um, that's a side note, but yeah. Yeah. that's a whole nother profession, isn't it? What are they called? What's that? The people that accelerate the process. There's a title for that. I can't think no of idea. it. Off oh, I like an accelerator I mean, yeah. or something like that. Or you know, I don't know. We need to make friends with them though. <laughs> Corey says wizards. wizards. In the chat. Yeah, I could deal with that. But that is yeah. a profession. I know that. Yes. 
<laughs> yeah, but an expediter, I guess. Expediter, that's it. Oh, there you go. Mm. Yeah. Um, okay, good stuff. So GL and E&O insurance. Now, Charlie, I don't even, I don't know what this is. This is a question that uh, you thought would be a good idea to touch on. Um, now, it's insurance for home inspectors. Does that also cover real estate brokers? Run us through exactly what that is. Do all inspectors have it? Should they have it? All right, right now, all right, the way that our law is written up, Home inspectors are not required to carry GL. GL means general liability insurance. Got it. All right. We are also not required to carry E&O, which is errors and omissions insurance. All right. So the GNL, I think, is really important. And my, my thought process is, again, I'm going back to the freedom of choice thing. All right. I get hired by a buyer of a home. I go into a seller's home. That seller didn't get to choose me. All right. So if I go in there and I break something, people don't realize it, but that contract says that the buyer is responsible for anything that I break, all right? And I don't know, maybe cars contract is different. I'm familiar with the North Shore Barrington real estate contract up here, but I'm pretty sure most of them are kind of close together, you know, on what happens. So I think we should have some sort of insurance if I, you know, and, and again, I have done a lot of these. I have made mistakes. I am a human being. All right. I was out in St. Charles and I overflowed a bathtub and I did about $20,000 worth of damage. It went, you know, oh man, wow. through the floor, finished basement. It was a beautiful million dollar home. And this is going back in like 2005, somewhere around there. So a million dollars wasn't just a, a bungalow back then, you know, so I know the no. real estate prices have gone up too. Uh, it was a big house and it did a lot of damage. And thank goodness we had um, general liability insurance and they covered the bill. They made it right. There was no reason that that seller should be, you know, forced to take on the damage. And it, it, this would be another piece of advice I would give to all of the agents that are watching this. Don't be afraid to demand you know, that the home inspector that's coming in there have general liability insurance. Yeah. Everybody who does, we all have pieces of paper and we can all show that proof to them and then they could have it listed with it. That is so important. It's unbelievable. It was so important um, that the IDFPR brought it up to us and we didn't even argue about it at all. So starting January 1, 2022, home inspectors will be mandated to have $100,000 of coverage of general liability insurance. All right. That is awesome. I didn't even know this. I didn't even yeah. know it yeah. required. Thank God you had us bring this up because this yes. is something I likely wouldn't have touched on. But like you said, it's so incredibly important. I, I couldn't agree more. You know, if I was the seller of the home and I want to bring somebody in here, now it's my choice. All right. But that seller doesn't have the choice of the home inspector. The buyers do. All right. right. And then the errors and omissions insurance, a lot of people, a lot of, you know, they'll sell that as, you know, they, if I make a mistake that the errors and omissions insurance is going to fix that for them or whatever, that's not the, the truth. All right. That errors and omissions insurance just like your errors and omissions insurance is there to protect me and my family and my my company all right they will they are attorneys they will go to court they will defend me in there if they lose that court battle and they're very good and we are very good so we haven't ever lost one yet in fact we never even got that far yet <laughs> um but then they'll pay 
all right? But they will sure. fight to keep it from paying as much as possible. So, wow. and that that is not going to be mandated January 1st. Only the general liability insurance, not the errors and omissions insurance. Got it. The state of Illinois did agree with us. We felt that since E&O protects home inspectors, it doesn't protect the public that they're not going to mandate it. But the general liability insurance does protect the public, so they're going to mandate it. Well, good job, President Charlie. That ah, is, oh, <laughs> that is it, great. There's more than just me. Yeah. <laughs> and, your, and your team. That's how, that's how you know a good leader. You don't take all the credit. I love it. Exactly. <laughs> it takes a village. But um, we kind of, we, you know, we're kind of getting to our time here. You you kind of touched on an inspection horror story with that twenty thousand. Yeah, give us the horror stories. <laughs> yes, but do you have any more that just stick out that you just want to share with us? Just kind the of the biggest nightmare you could think of. Yes. You mentioned flippers, and and I have a lot of good friends, and I'm I'm going to say my good friends are rehabbers. You go into those, and it's just it's so much work. It's it's you know we don't want to go into a house that's in bad condition. Um, that's a lot of work for us. You know, it's more pictures, more documentation, all that takes time. And we just, you know, you, you mentioned about cutting corners. We're not going to do that. And there's no way for us to really tell that until we get there. So those are going to be my biggest horror stories. I've seen, you know, furnaces with that are just discharging all the carbon monoxide inside the house. <laughs> I've seen sewer gases where the pipes are open and we're getting sewer gases coming in there. Um, oh every God. time you turn on an, people don't realize that every time you turn on an exhaust fan in a house, you know, bathrooms, kitchens, things like that, you're depressurizing that house for what, you know, some of them are tighter than others. So some will be depressurized more than others, but that air has got to come back in somewhere. Anytime I blow air out, air has got to come back in. Sure. Right? Yeah. So it's either going to come from the chimney, the furnace vents, if sewer pipes are open, it'll come right from the sewers. That, that's unhealthy. You know, we've been in crawl spaces where the sewer lines are broken and there's feces up in the attics. We find a whole bunch Jeez. of animals and raccoon poop. You know, I like saying poop. Sorry. <laughs> um, we find that stuff up in there and it's it's unhealthy. No. <laughs> Sorry. I'm just kidding. I'm trying to be professional and then I threw out the keyword. You gotta have mm. fun. You gotta have fun. Yeah. Wow. So there's plenty. Yeah. There's yeah. plenty that we see and and um and all of us that work on our company, we do everything that we can to not let our emotions show. All right. We try to be straightforward, professional. We don't want to make fun of anyone. Um, I always repeat over and over again, Mrs. Molesky, rest her soul. She's my third grade teacher. Um, and she said, never point your finger at anybody because there's always three of those bad boys coming right back at you. So I don't want to say who's at fault or anything else like that. This is what the problem is. This is what the ramifications are. Let's get this fixed. So, Because buying a house is emotional. You know that. It is. Yeah. <laughs> well, very, very emotional. Yeah. So we, we need to, we as home inspectors, you know, we're dealing with other human beings that very emotional, 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 yeah. emotional times is what it is. And yeah, we have to respect that, you know, because the reactions that the other human beings are going to have 
based on what we say, if we start joking or they're not going to find that funny. So we need to just focus on the building, do our job and right. stick to that. Yes. Well, Charlie, this has been wonderful. We cannot thank you enough for joining us. We have learned so much. <laughs> Quentin and I both. Yes. Um, you dropped a lot of gems for us. Uh, we'd like to end our show with just some three with three questions that are just kind of for fun, just to get to know you a little more on a personal level. Um, so I'll kick it off here. Just how are you feeding your brain? Do you have any books, podcasts, or resources that you recommend? Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna say you should mention your website again, but um, anything yes. that that you enjoy to read or listen to. Um, I'm, I really enjoy construction. So for professional reading and stuff like that, believe it or not, it's kind of like on a few Facebook groups that I belong to where other home inspectors throw things up on there, problems that they found and everybody debates about if it's okay or not. Okay. So that I enjoy. Oh, wow. Um, Clancy, he, you know, I, I mentioned him already with the Tom Clancy. Yeah. Right. Favorite author. You know, enjoy nice. those movies quite a bit. So that's that's me. That's awesome. Cool. I might uh, ask you to share the Facebook page with me so I can hop in there. Uh, anything you recommend regarding, you know, learning more about the inspection process, I think I, I should probably get more involved in. Yeah. Um, Same here. <laughs> yeah. All right. Next question, Charlie. So you got, you got some friends in town. You want to impress them, show them how Chicago you are. Uh, where are you taking them and what are you doing? I'm going to get on the purple line as it transfers over to the red line. And then I'm going to, or I'm going to take the Metro down to Oglesby. So I'm giving you a hint where I live. And, um, <laughs> yep. and then uh, we're going to get on that water taxi and go down to Chinatown. I don't know why I like to do that, but awesome. um, yeah, I like to take the river ride and on the taxi and go to Chinatown. Yeah. What's your favorite Chinatown restaurant? Oh, I can't think of the name of it, but um my stepdaughter, my son, and I, we were in there. You know, they bring that little hot pot of tea or whatever. <laughs> so we did this finger test thing, right? And where you have to touch it, and the last, the first two to let go lose, and the last one wins. Oh, yeah. Well, she cheated. She she has long fingernails on there. So she just she kept her fingernail on there while we're burning our skin off on this thing because it's so hot. Oh, my God. I wish I could remember the name of it, but I can't. We just walk yeah. up and down. We find one of the night, one of the restaurants, and nice. we sit down. I haven't it's done that last summer. year, though, so I'm looking forward yeah. to it this year. Yeah, It's a newer yeah. place. It's called MCCB. I don't know if you guys have ever been there. I think it's a little bit newer. It's It stands for Modern Chinese Cuisine Cookbook, I think. Unbelievable. Right. Really? I mean, it's, it's kind of like a fusion, but it's like, it's not the classic... Chinese you're going to have it, it's mm-hmm. it's kind of like new age more modern but it is so good Ooh, so I'm check that out for sure I will I promise yes. yeah take good our stuff. water taxi and head there that's awesome <laughs> yep. yeah great answer Charlie love it <laughs> love that Charlie um what's one piece of advice you give to someone just starting um in their real estate career or if they want to transition roles to becoming a home inspector any advice or any tips on how they should start doing that um whether you're going to be a real estate agent or home inspector you know the one thing that i constantly repeat over and over again uh, people always say that the three most important words in real estate are location 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 all right i follow that up with the three most important words of being a real estate agent or being a home inspector is reputation, reputation, reputation. So whatever you do, 
you know, all your actions and everything that you do, realize in today's world, we're going to be judged. And, you know, even in our business, we don't really market to real estate agents hardly at all. We're Our biggest focus is directed consumers, all right? And that's no disrespect to the real estate agents. We focus on reviews. We focus on, you know, getting up there. But if anybody writes anything bad about us on those Google reviews, and that's going to hurt our business. So client is number one, all right? Be honest. And this is something I learned in the fire department. You do the right thing at the right time for the right reason, and you do it the right way. I love it. Just that simple, really. <laughs> it's just that simple. Well, Charlie, how, could, how can people find you and, you know, hire you and recommend you to their clients, to their buyers? Um, again, our business name is Chicagoland, your home inspectors. Uh, we are a corporation. We do have eight inspectors in our company right now. Our website is the, T-H-E, home inspectors, and that's plural, O-R-S, and it's a dot com, all right? And that's also where you could go ahead and find those training videos. Um, we are a training partner with the with InterNACHI, which is the International Association of Certified Home Inspectors. Um, we're pretty much, well, we are the only training partner in the state of Illinois. So we usually meet about 20 new home inspectors every month. And um, yeah, I love it. Anybody who comes work with us, they have a passion. We're going to use more tools, more equipment, be more thorough. Our goal is to be as accurate as possible. And we're able to stand up to anything that we say is bad, no matter who the contractor is. So Yeah. And I'm, I'm actually pulling up your guys' Google reviews here. So it looks like you have two pages, Chicagoland Home Inspectors, Inc. But so it looks like you have two. So combined, if you add these two together, you have over, what, 450 reviews and five stars. So, wow. yeah, reputation, I mean. Yeah, and then you go. add in. Good stuff. Yeah. yeah, if you add in the Yelp reviews for both businesses yeah. and your Facebook reviews, and then you go after the what Yelp calls their non-recommended or whatever it is. Exactly. Which I, they're We're over a thousand. Over. I believe we it. Have, we have over a thousand five-star reviews. Yep. And we tell our clients right away before they even hire us, you know, listen, when everything's done, we want you to judge us. We want you to be honest. We're going to work for you and we're going to go put as much effort as we can. And we won't let, you know, right now we lose about five to 10 jobs a day. Um, we're booked out a week in advance. Right. And um, and it, it's difficult to work with us. I get it. And I'm honored to have people do that. But we're not going to just hire somebody just to do inspections and to take money. Anybody who works under our name, they're good. You mentioned Dave Ingle. Oh, yeah. He's fantastic. Dave's my guy. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's wonderful. Yeah. I mean, all you guys. I mean, it's it's and although you guys are good and, you know, you're you don't blow up deals, but you do a more thorough job than most inspectors. And like you mentioned, you're there to serve the client. And, you know, truthfully, you are the most thorough and, and the best home inspectors I've personally found. There's a reason why you use you guys every time. So thank you. I can't wait to it. work with your team, Charlie. I'm excited. I'm sure all of our YPNers, um, they'll be calling you as well. <laughs> thank you. That's very kind. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Yeah. Is- Thanks again, Charlie. Always a pleasure, man. Great seeing you. Great talking to you. Um, and, and you'll be you'll be our inspector guy moving forward if we ever have to do an impromptu uh, little podcast here. Yeah. And even if you want to come to one of our training sites, 
and yeah. and just do one of our vacant home inspections, that might be a fun thing to do. I yeah, think absolutely. So. Field cool. trip. Yeah, YPN's going on a field trip. I love it. <laughs> Make that happen. Love it. All right. Well, right. thanks again, Charlie. Appreciate it. You guys, uh, we're Friday here, so enjoy the weekend. <laughs> you too. All right. See you guys. Thanks for spending time with us this week. You can catch up with YPN and what we've got coming up next at chicagorealtor.com.